The future of healthcare is exciting with many new therapies finding incredible success. The Heroic Dose brought to you by Microdose is a one-day virtual conference that will explore the use of psychedelic therapies in military veterans and first responders in an effort to combat the alarming rates of PTSD, substance abuse, and suicide in this coveted yet undeserved demographic. Topics discussed include the therapeutic potential of psychedelics over opioids for pain management, reducing the graduation of acute pain to chronic pain, and preventing suicide in the long run. The Heroic Dose will cover the intersection of clinical care, research, and investment arenas. Now, while this is an all-day event on April 22nd, yours truly will be moderating a panel at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The panel's focus the altered state of combat veteran trauma and the quest for novel therapeutics in psychedelic substances history and overview of current treatments. And the panel will feature four veterans who have used psychedelic therapies to combat PTSD, trauma, opioid addiction, and I would love to show them some support from the phenomenal Brian Nichols Show audience. So please follow the link to the show notes to the Microdose website and sign up for this incredible virtual conference. And if you are a veteran, a 100% discount will be applied at checkout. Again, that's the Heroic Dose brought to you by Microdose. Link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who is getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Man, oh man, those who are always engaging in censorship tend to be the ones who are saying the loudest that they're the good guys. Have you guys been paying attention? So our good friend Nick Hudson from Panda, the amazing organization that has been fighting the myths and the misconceptions of the COVID-19 lockdowns, he had an amazing video, and it was the ugly truth about the COVID-19 lockdowns, and at the last time I looked at it, ballpark around 300,000 views over on YouTube. We had Nick over on the program literally the day after that that video aired, and what an amazing episode, because we got to really dig into some of the stuff he didn't even get the chance to cover over on on that uh, that talk. Well, guess what, folks? They have officially, they being the YouTube overlords, have nuked that video. They have officially wiped that video from history as if it never happened because the narrative cannot be questioned despite the science and the evidence mounting up and presenting an irrefutable case that the government lockdowns have been an absolute abject failure and in more instances have caused impossibly more harm than good. And that, I think there, folks, speaks to exactly why they have silenced uh, Nick Hudson's YouTube video and why it's super important for us to promote the heck out of our episode we did there back on Sunday, the bonus episode. So I will make sure I include that link in the show notes. It's pretty much one of the only ways you can really talk about the video, I guess. Now, the great Tom Woods also went ahead and did share on his episode uh, there, I think it was earlier this week or le- uh, late last week, um, a re-air of the video from Nick Hudson. Thank God he did, because uh, if he hadn't, then it'd be a lot more difficult for folks to go ahead and find the truth that's out there uh, and being forced more and more into the shadows. Now, I start off the Brian Nichols show not usually with guns of blazing, um, but 
my God, come on. Like, what are we doing here? We, we, we can't have a civil discourse with an organization that quite literally has some of the top minds in the epidemiology and immunology world. I mean, Scott Atlas, pretty much every signer of the Great Barrington Declaration. We have folks from Harvard, Stanford. You go down the, the PhDs that just keep on racking up. And yet we're told that they can't have a voice at the table. I'm sorry, folks. If you're not paying attention, Well, I don't know what to tell you, but hey, at least you're here uh, for another fun-filled episode. I promise it is a fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. And welcome, yes, folks, to another fantastic conversation with another great guest. And this guest is a returning guest, and it is one Joshua Smith. Now, Josh first joined the program back in Thanksgiving of last year. We were talking about what we were thankful for. And uh, I guess what Josh was thankful for was that he has a brand new uh, video version of his awesome podcast, Break the Cycle. And uh, we dig into what got Josh going in terms of wanting to start this video version, but also a little bit of libertarian politics. Politics, always fun stuff and a great conversation with Josh to be had. So, guys, with all that being said, thank you for joining the program and onto the show, Joshua Smith here on the Brian Nichols Show. What's going on, Brian? Hey, thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate you. We're missing Teddy still. We ne- I never found Teddy again after that last interview, man. He's I, gone. I, yeah, Teddy. I, I hope he's out there doing well. And I'll, I will say, like, yo, Teddy, if you're out there in the ether, please reach out. We, we miss you. We hope you're doing well. Um, but yes, I mean, last time that was, I guess, Thanksgiving is when we last had you in the program, Josh. And yeah. I, I I don't know, man. COVID time, it seems like it was, I don't know, like three years ago you were last in the show. And honestly, I'm at this point now, I think everybody's kind of like done with this COVID time, this COVID reality. And we're trying to go back to this, I guess, new, it's the new normal. I don't like New normal. New normal. (laughs) Fun. So let's see about your new normal. Your new normal. You've been busy. You got this new podcast slash video series, Break the Cycle with Joshua Smith, which has been hitting the world by storm josh so hit hit us up here what's what's got you into this new uh podcast slash uh, video world that you find yourself in well you know i always wanted to do a podcast and uh, you know i spent i spent four years traveling around the country i went to 40 states uh for these chair runs i got to keynote ballrooms behind ron <laughs> yeah you know i i got to keynote ballrooms behind ron paul for crying out loud you know i I got to do stuff that I never in my wildest dreams thought I was going to do. And I grew a fucking a platform doing it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it wasn't like I, uh, you know, did all this and then no one knew who I was. I had this platform and I wanted to use the platform for something good um, and also something that can uh, financially bolster my family as well. You know, I do have seven kids in the house now. Uh, so um, I started doing this podcast like a actually like a year ago. I put out like three episodes of break the cycle as an audio cast, but I had no idea what I was doing, Brian. I mean, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea how to get it done. I'm not a tech guy. You know, it's just not my thing. Um, so I downloaded anchor and I started recording this podcast with my phone and editing the audio with my phone. And then it's obviously it's got an RSS feed. So when you publish it, it goes to all these podcast sites. Well, it started doing pretty good, you know, for a shitty 25 minute podcast. I mean, it's really, it was 25, 20 to 30 minute podcast. Uh, you know, I was heavily edited, uh, scripted completely. I was reading from a script all the time. Um, and then life happened. COVID happened. I moved to Iowa. Uh, my girlfriend got pregnant. Uh, I got Cussie and my daughter and her two siblings that aren't ours biologically. I mean, it was just a lot of shit happened. So I didn't get an opportunity. And then back in August, I put out another episode, one episode. And it did really well. Got like, you know, for a guy who had not really done much podcasting, it got over 300 listens without me even really, uh, you know, uh, uh, telling people about it. And so 
I'd always wanted to do it as a show. I'd always wanted to have like an internet show. I know that like if you're going to do a show on YouTube is where you can you can be pretty successful. You can you can make a successful YouTube channel if you put the work into it and and you can make money doing it, but you can also uh, you know, get a lot of people interested in what we're doing, you know, for the Liberty movement. And so, um, I started researching the tech, man, you know, I started, I probably, I probably watched a hundred hours of tech reviews and tech specs. And, you know, I have like these certain YouTubers that I follow because they're always talking about cameras and, and capture cards and, and, and audio and lighting and RGB lights and backdrops and, um, I just started studying and I started kind of amassing the equipment. You know, I got a microphone and then I, you know, I had, a, I already had an iMac computer. <clears throat> and, but, uh, so I got, I got a DSLR mirrorless Canon M50. Uh, and then I got a nicer lens. And then, uh, I went to hook up my whole thing to do a test stream first, first time. And I hooked it up to my iMac and my processor wasn't fast enough to run a stream in 1080p. Wasn't fast enough to run it in 720. I mean, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been a good stream, you know? So then I had to go buy a new laptop and there's a lot went into it, but I wanted to have a good show. I wanted to do a show that, you know, I obviously I want to do my solo shows like I do on Wednesday night where I, I always bring on a Twitter shit poster to have a rant, which is a lot of fun. But I also, I talk about important things like Ross Ulbricht um, and, and him being railroaded for Silk Road and uh, the war on Tucker Carlson, the, the DOD has started now, which is hilarious to me and the woke mob going after Bill Burr and, you know, all, all this stuff that's, it's really important stuff to talk about. Um, but I wanted it to look nice too. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, where the tech and, and stuff, but I, I think we're doing good. But now I also have this really great list of people to bring on the show, which I'm really excited about. You know, uh, uh, tomorrow I'll have Dave Smith on the show. Last week I had Pete Canones. Uh, the first week of the show, I had Jacob Hornberger, uh, a week from tomorrow I'll have Shane Hazel. I got Michael Bolden. I got, uh, Zuby is coming on my show in May. Uh, Phil, Phil Labonte from the lead singer of all that remains will be on my show on the 29th. I mean, I was afforded some luxuries because of what I've done over the last four years. And it would have just been really stupid to waste that, that platform, you know? And so that's what, that's why I started the show. And I think it's done really well. I've got, uh, 700 new subscribers over my first two weeks of doing the show. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, that's a good start. And, um, like I keep saying on Twitter, nobody, nobody promotes harder than a guy with eight dependents and, and a dream. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody. I was gonna say so. incentives, incentives are real, man. Incentives are real, but oh, yeah. Josh, well, what's, what's been, um, what's been like maybe one of the, the most important things that you've discussed thus far over on your program. But I mean, we obviously, we talk about stuff all day long, you know, from a variety of topics that are important to us, but let's talk about I mean, something that's really pertinent to nowadays that you think is really resonating with people that you've had so far. Well, the, the so my very first show, which was my most watched show until I did the episode with Pete Canones, um, I, I talked about the Waco siege. It was right at the 27 year anniversary of the Waco siege. I don't know that there's an event in our history in my generation that is better for red pilling people than talking about the absolute facts yes. of the Waco siege. My, my wife, you know, watch, we, so in COVID hit, I mean, interrupt you, but like we were watching the, uh, it was on Netflix. They had the series um, that was there, that TV series. Uh, I forget, it, but it had like the girl from um, Ozark. I forget her name. The actress, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. uh, the younger uh, Culkin brother, uh, Macaulay Culkin, the younger brother. Right, right. And yeah. my wife didn't know it was Kieran. real life. Yeah, Kieran, thank you. And my wife didn't Kieran know it was, is real life. She, she was like, wait, is this is this a real, is this real life? Like this actually happened? And I'm like, wait, you didn't never heard of Waco? 
No. <laughs> and but like that, but candidly, Josh, that she's not, you know, I would say unique in that cir- circumstance. A lot of people haven't heard about this stuff because weirdly enough, it's not really talked about in our education. Isn't that weird? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing is so when I say it's probably the best event to talk about with people to red pill is, you know, even the people that know about Waco don't know about Waco, you know, because the ATF and the, and the, the FBI and, and, and I mean, truly Congress at some point when they went over the hearings for um, the two different reports that came out, there was, you know, the, there, there was two st- separate distinct reports put out by federal agencies that were completely different from each other. And um, I spent hours watching those hearings and, um, uh, and, I, and there's actually a better, there's actually a really good documentary um, the rules of engagement. It's called Waco Siege Rules of Engagement. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, that actually gives the legit truth about what happened. It shows the uh, flare camera of the, you know, the the heat camera where uh, you can see that they were shooting at people trying to run out of the building. You can see that they actually were uh, igniting the gas that 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 lit the building on fire. And then they went and lied to the American public about it. And I don't, I just don't know that there's a better besides some of the stuff that's led us in wars, like the Afghanistan papers. Um, which I will talk about on my on my podcast. There's no doubt I, I I beat that Afghanistan paper drum all the time because you can go and read about the government lying us into the longest running uh, military uh, foreign war that we've been in in history. Uh, you can read about them lying us into this war. But but Waco, I mean, it was a, a you know they 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 called him uh, they they said it was a child pedophile cult. You know, they said that they were running guns. They said that they were uh, drug addicts. They did everything that they possibly could in the media to try and drag these people through the mud. But then you, you, when you really break it down and start looking into things, there was no evidence that they were, there was no drugs in the compound. They weren't doing drugs. Um, there was no evidence whatsoever of, of this being a pedophile cult. In fact, several local agencies went and, and, uh, and uh, investigated these these rumors and could never find any proof of it. Um, was David Koresh kind of a piece of shit? Sure, probably. You know, he was he was having babies with uh, sixteen and seventeen year old girls, but that was legal in Texas at the time. You know, I don't I don't condone it. I think that maybe maybe he does need the wood chipper, but um, the rest of the people weren't that bad. And they tried to make him out to be these dumb hillbillies. There was Harvard graduates there. There was Princeton graduates there uh, trying to practice a, a faith and religion that they that they believe in. So. Um, that's probably been the most that and and Ross Ulbricht have probably been the most important things that I've talked about on my show. I really laid out the Ross Ulbricht case. I mean, the whole trial. I talked about how uh, they violated his Fourth Amendment by hacking the servers. I talked about uh, how he was, you know, they uh, the the judge in the federal court effectively shut down uh, the entire defense. They wouldn't let him talk. Uh, they wouldn't let him over cross examine uh, the agents on the stand. They wouldn't let them talk about uh, how they had had dragged his name through the mud as a, a murder for hire plot, but then never even charged him with those charges. I mean, there was a lot of really bad shit. So um, we talk about important stuff like that, but I'd also like try to have some comedy aspect to it. I want it to be entertaining. Um, you know, I made a commitment. I wasn't just going to always talk about the libertarian party. You know, I like the libertarian party. I'm a member of the libertarian party. The libertarian party's boring, man. You know what I mean? Uh, I want people to know about the libertarian party. I'll put the link up in my, in my show notes. I'll, I'll reference it sometimes, but it's not a libertarian party show. It's a, it's a, it's an inter- internet show where people can go and learn about uh, important liberty things and um, can listen to really cool guests. Uh, sometimes people about music, sometimes people uh, like Zuby, who's uh, a musician and, and Phil Labonte, who's a, mus- a musician, as opposed to just always the same old, you know, same old liberty people. So 
Um, I think it's a good show. I think it'll end up, you know, it gets better every week. I get better with my tech issues every week because if anybody does a podcast knows there's always some kind of tech issue. Uh, every time I turn my laptop on, it's something new. I'm like, Jesus, not again, you know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, man, it's it's a good show. I think it's a good show and I've really lucked out. I got this cool stream deck uh, that actually controls my entire stream by push button. Um, if you don't know about Elgato stream decks and you're running a live stream, you need to get an Elgato stream deck. It's basically a completely customizable hotkeys pad. Um, and, uh, you can customize all the buttons with pictures. So you know what they are. I can start my stream with them. I can record my stream with them. I can bring my guests on with it. It's really made a guy who's not a tech guy's life a lot easier. So. Well, there you go, man. You're, and you yeah. know that people didn't expect they're going to get some free podcast slash video setup here. Um, so yeah. how about that, folks? You're welcome. A nice little sneak, <laughs> sneak uh, in surprise treat there. So, Josh, I'm I'm kind of in the mindset now, and I was thinking about this on my way to the office this morning. Was I was thinking like, if you hear your average politician, it's obvious they're a politician, right? We, we you can tell they they have the the politician speak. And I think your average person, by and large, is done with that. They're done. Oh, sure. They're done with the 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 you know just the, the lawyer like talk, and they want authenticity. And I think if we were just to have someone just be as truly a foil against incumbent politician here, that would really. St- that would speak out a lot. And I think we're going to find that we're going to get the most traction in getting those types of people in this kind of different podcasting world. And I say that because when you look at what we're doing, we're, we're having these very in-depth, sometimes intense conversations that inevitably will sometimes go to debates. And we, I mean, we're, we're kind of in, if you were to like a football analogy, like we're in training camp all the time. And when the time comes that we actually have to like get into showtime, I think that, you know, your average person would look at the arguments that we're making and the way that we're making them and, and would, would be empathetic. And I think it's entirely, uh, you know, speaking to the fact that that's why we're, we're not on stage if we're going to talk about the third party being the Libertarian Party. So I've been having this conversation across the, uh, you know, my, my show over the past few weeks. I had Jack Hunter on the show. We talked about Republican populism. I had uh, Nick Gillespie on the show. We talked about Democratic populism. And I look at the Libertarian Party. And, you know, I actually I kind of uh, talked about this with Spike Cohen as well. There's populism in the Libertarian Party as well. And we see right now there's a big split between some folks who want to completely ignore that the populism is there and to say, well, you know what, just because it, it, it you know, it's there, it doesn't mean we should be using it for good. We just need to, if it is there, say it's a bad thing and get rid of it or to acknowledge that it's a tool and it's, it's not going to go away and to then think how can we best use the energy and the, the focus of that for good, for libertarian good, not for a $1.9 trillion spending bills that's being done by the Democrats or how many trillions of dollars that gets pushed through under the past four years of the Republicans controlling the, the House and, and the presidency. So I say all of that, Josh. I know there's a, a lot there, but there's a great opportunity for the Libertarian Party to serve as a vessel for a truly liberty-oriented populist message based on the current, and we talked about this, right, just now a little bit ago, incentive structures that are in place. We have democracy right now. That means that you have to have a 50 plus one majority, which means you have to have a populist message to win that majority of people, right? So how can we best use that libertarian populist approach to get people to look at the Libertarian Party 
as a means to actually uh, get political change to, I guess, upset the status quo and proverbial apple cart. Sure. Well, and here's the thing. You know, we we hear even like libertarians constantly say, oh, populism, bad populism, bad. It's a bad thing. You know, populism won the, the, the presidency for, for Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Right wing populism won won that presidency for Donald Trump. Populism. It, it amps up a base. I mean, that's what it does. You know, that's the whole point of populism is to get people uh, excited about something and, and amp them up and get them. Of course, you know. When we look at the population, 61% of the population not voting for a presidential candidate in 2016 and, and in 2020, I think it was a little less than that, but we need to do things that hype those people up to our party. You know, if you want, if I get it, there's a lot of libertarians out there that refuse to to work in politics at all. I get it. It's, it's by nature, uh, part of the ideology to, to, to not want to be involved in politics at all, but we we need to use and i've talked i think i talked about this with you on on a show before but we need to use our strengths as the libertarian party in in modern times the things that people agree with us around the country on the anti-war sentiment for instance people are just done they're done being led into these wars uh they're done seeing uh brown kids be bombed overseas with our tax money and we need to be at the forefront of that and, and that's a populist message. It's a message that resonates with people all over the country that aren't just in our party. Um, these are, these are the issues and, and, and the, the COVID shutdowns, for instance, right? The party has been silent. You know, uh, I, I like Joe Bishop Hinchman as a person. We talk, I think we talked about this too. Uh, I like Joe Bishop Hinchman as a person, but he hasn't said shit about this. The, the, the tyranny that's been handed to us on a, on a silver platter as libertarians and we need to capitalize on that. And that is what populism is. We're capitalizing on these huge issues that people all over the country are very divided about. Um, and we need to be bringing those people in that, that agree with us. And so, um, the, 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 the tyrannistic, uh, despotic COVID 1984 bullshit that we just dealt with for the last year, that needs to be addressed by the libertarian party. These uh, constant endless wars that are costing a third of our national budget that we're paying for uh, by working our asses off, trying to feed our family, that needs to be addressed by the Libertarian Party. The Federal Reserve printing money uh, willy-nilly and, and sending out these these stimulus packages that are uh, 80% of them are going to foreign nations and, and pet projects, that needs to be talked about. People are not happy about this. We need to capitalize on that populist message. Um, and, and no populism is not always a bad thing. It's just not, you know, you got to play to your strengths. Populism is in my opinion, playing to your strengths. It's playing to your strengths as a political party. It's playing to your strengths in, in this cultural war that we're in right now in this country. Uh, and, and, and we have to pick a side on these issues or people are just going to look at us as weak, you know? And so, and I think that, I think at the end of the day, you know, that the side that we're on is the righteous side. We are the side of liberty. We are the side of letting people make their own decisions. We are the side of stopping these endless wars. We are the side of, you know, let people freely trade the way they want to let them opt out of the fiat system if they need to, you know, that's all populist stuff. It's a popular notion around the country and we're capitalizing on it as a political party. Why wouldn't we do those things? Why wouldn't we do those things? I think we, we spend so much time thinking that, you know, especially at working with some of the people that I work with on the, on the national committee, 
we spend so much time trying to emulate the two parties that we hate, that we are against, you know? Yes, there's some good Republicans. There might even be some decent Democrats here and there. <laughs> I, I don't know any, but um, but why would we want to be like those people? Their policies are the ones that are hurting free people in this country. Emulating them is the wrong way to go, you know? So I think we need to, I think we need to play to our strengths. I think we need to use that populist message. I think we need to use people's anger towards a government that has shut down their livelihoods, hurt their children's mental health, uh, broke their bank accounts, uh, ruined their, their mortgages. We need to play to those strengths. And that is what we are as libertarians. So anybody that's telling you a populist message is bad is, is, uh, Either doesn't know what it means or uh, doesn't really care about advancing liberty in this country, in my opinion. So I've heard some people say, well, Brian, and I've, I brought this up, the lockdowns are probably the, the biggest issue, if not of 2020 and, and of contemporary politics, but of our lifetime. I mean, this is literally the government unilaterally deciding who is and who is not considered an essential worker. I mean, come on. So I've heard some folks say, well, Brian... You kind of see the the right. The right has taken the anti-lockdown messaging. So that's why we were going to the left. That's why we were messaging more to the left during the summer. So, you know, I, I saw a lot of um a lot of kickback from the the campaigns this past uh election cycle. And candidly, you know, I, I was a little aggressive as well, saying we need to be focusing more on the lockdowns, but more so in what was considered to be pandering, if you will, to, uh, of the left. And you know, actually I think uh you know I had Spike on the show and Spike was talking about this, I think with Dave Smith, where he said, No, I wasn't pandering. I was I was actually going on meeting people where they were at. There was that one anti racist tweet that definitely, you know, that took off. Um but there then I think opened up this question that was out there. Well, what should we be doing to reach out to the left? What's the most effective way, would you say, to actually reach people from the left in terms of not just getting their attention, which I think we are doing better at, but actually getting them to ask more questions and get them to start taking steps to change their their maybe ideas more towards a pro-liberty lens? Sure. Well, the, and here's the thing is it's really hard to to make this distinction for a lot of normies in this country, but there's two distinct uh, lefts. Okay. There's the, the moderate democratic left. And then there's the far, far left in this country. Right. And we have the same thing on the right, you know, there's the moderate right. And the, and then the far right, um, which, you know, a lot of people consider me far right, because I, if I had a button on my, my little stream deck here that said Murray Rothbard button, and I could push it and get rid of the federal government, I would do it, you know? Um, so it, it really depends on what left we're talking about. There's some pretty based far left people out there, man. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, there, Jimmy Dore, give me him all day long. Like Tulsi. Yeah. Gabbard there's roll. Yeah. And, and well, in Tulsi, I mean, Tulsi and even Jimmy Dore to some extent, I mean, they're, they're pretty moderate lefties. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like far left, like want to abolish the federal government left. You know what I mean? Where we actually horseshoe on a couple of issues. You know what I mean? They want the wars over. They want they want the uh, they want the 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 government abolished. Uh, you know, we could see eye to eye with them, and maybe those are the issues that you know I've had success with. I've had more success with the an the the the, the anarcho communists that are, have read uh, Peter Kropotkin and and uh, Bakunin and and uh, Proudhon and stuff like this. Right? I've had more success 
turning them towards our side uh, by talking about ending the wars and, and abolishing the federal government than I have ever with any moderate Democrat Republican who's so staunchly entrenched in, in their party that they don't give a shit. And I, I, I've, we talked about this last time, too, that, you know, Republicans and Democrats have become such tribalistic, chess beating team sport uh, politic political parties that there's almost no reaching them anymore. You know, it is the Colts. I mean, they are the Colts of of Joe Biden and and Donald Trump now. I mean, CPAC had a golden Donald Trump statue that people were legitimately worshiping. People who call themselves Christians, by the way, worshiping a false idol. Uh, in case you're listening, that's not good. Uh, and and then the you know the Joe Biden side, they'll listen to any and eat up and do anything that Joe Biden and Dr. Fauci tell them to do. You know, and um, so I, I think that it's we're not going to ever reach that moderate left too much. I do see that, you know, we're going to have some success with Tulsi uh, supporters because she's so staunchly anti-war. She's pretty staunchly anti-Fed too, which is really nice. Um, But she still wants to take your guns. You know, she still, she still wants to institute a a UBI and and socialist uh, medicine. And, you know, there's some really bad policies there. That's why whenever a libertarian's like, yeah, Tulsi. I'm like, whoa, 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 bud. Hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about the other stuff. I know she looks really good because of the anti-war stance, but I would also work with Tulsi Gabbard on anti-war stuff. I mean, if there was a if there was a, a coalition built where it was like me, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, 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 Thomas Massey, you know what I mean? Like all these anti-war people. For, it doesn't. I don't fucking care where you came from. If you want to end these wars, I will work with you on ending these wars because the the wars are so out of control that someone needs to do it. Um, but I, I do think as far as libertarianism goes, and that's I think that's why we saw a, so, a libertarian socialist caucus, whatever that means, uh, join the libertarian party was because we do we do see eye to eye with them on a lot of issues. But when you start yelling rent is theft and and put landlords up against the wall and uh, then we, we might have some issues there. You know what I mean? But Just I think. Yeah, I think I think if you can have some good. Ins- there's there's a few who are. um reasonable enough to have intellectual conversations with. And I have had those conversations and thankfully I put, I put out an article called uh, why philosophy matters on think Liberty many years ago. And, and I talked about, you know, the fact that I've, I've read Kropotkin, I've read Marx, I've read Engels, I've read uh, Bakunin and um, Proudhon and, and all these left anarchist people and mutualist people because I wanted to understand who I was going to be talking to, you know, and um, I didn't want to just, you know, I, I had before I did this, it was always okay, commie. You know what I mean? Okay, commie. Okay. And then so we'd be like, I'm not even a commie. I'm a mutualist. I, I agree with you on, on markets. And I'm like, oh shit, I better start reading this literature, you know? And, and I've already, I've already read plenty of right stuff, you know, Mises. And, and, and I mean, I started with Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations and I moved on to Henry Hazlitt and Mises and Rothbard and F.A. Hayek and Milton Friedman. And I've read so much of that shit. So, um, it really makes it easier to reach out to that far left and those anarchists if you understand their philosophy um, and read their their literature. And so I did that, and I've had success. I've had success turning them into straight up ANCAPs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, which is great. Which is great. Uh, it's always it's always good when people are like, "Oh, okay. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. If we abolished rent, there'd be a lot of homeless people, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I see what you're talking about now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, um. Yeah, it's it's been it's been cool. And, you know, I still I'm still a brash guy. You know, you guys, anybody who follows me knows that I I, I talk a lot of shit. Uh, I'm currently at war with blue check marks on Twitter. Um, you know, there's there's people in this party that really 
uh, I came sideways at or have come sideways at me and we've had our issues, but then I ended up, you know, I ended up trying to bury the hatch as much as I, I can. And, 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 and like, like last time I was on your show, I was talking about Chris Spangle. Me had had words several times, but I still respect the shit out of Chris. And I think Chris does a lot of really good things. Um, and there's a lot of other people in this party and movement like that too. You know, that's like, it's like, you know, we've gone at each other, but at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh, I still fucking respect you though, man. Okay. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I, I think that the 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 best way to to reach any uh, political ideology and bring them to our side is to understand where they're coming from. Yes. Um, if that means reading their literature, then read it. If that means uh, looking at why they want the policies they want and making them understand that we want a lot of the same things, uh, we just have a different idea of how to go about that. Uh, then do it. You know, it's it's important to know. It's important to know your friends. It's more important to know your enemies. I love it. I'm I'm smiling because this is what we talk about here in the show. I mean, this is this is when we're talking about sales. It's meeting people where they're at. It's understanding how they got there. You know, trying to to walk through the sales cycle before, and and that's exactly what you're joining. You're trying to understand where they come from by getting into their shoes, and that's so important because if we're coming in with our libertarian guns ablazing about the things that we care about, instead of asking them, well, wait, hold on, what 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 do you care about? And I've always found that when we actually do care about people's, uh, you know, what they care about, then they more more likely to pay attention and ask some more questions and want to learn a little, a little bit more. And if they want to learn a little bit more, Josh. Obviously, we're going to make sure we point them your direction. Break the cycle with Joshua Smith. So obviously, folks are pretty smart. They can use the uh, the YouTube's and the Google machines. But where can folks go ahead and find you if they want to stay up to date with all the other things you're doing? Uh, well, so so YouTube break uh, the, the break the cycle show is actually YouTube.com backslash fight the despots. Please subscribe. I have seven. Uh, children, eight dependents, and I'm trying to grift that ad revenue into being a stay at home dad so I can do daily shows. Cause that's what I would, I would like to eventually be like, you know, Matt Walsh or, or, uh, uh, what's that other weird dude with the bad voice, Ben Shapiro, or one of those guys, uh, where I can do daily shows and have that luxury. Um, I think, you know, I have a lot of work to do still before I get to that point, but, um, but definitely on Twitter, man, cause that's where I, I have my most fun on Twitter. I really do. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's where you can go and talk shit to any politician you want on Twitter, man. They, and they got blue check marks and think they're badass. And you, you don't even need a blue check mark to, to correspond with these people. So, uh, Joshua, it's, a uh, at Joshua at large, uh, cause I'm an at large representative. That's, that's what that's for. Nothing else. There was no innu- innuendo there. Like the boys from biting the bullet said, um, uh, I'm on Odyssey as well. I have an Odyssey account in case they ever take me down on YouTube. It auto syncs my videos over to Odyssey and that's, uh, just break the cycle with Joshua Smith. I also have a Twitch and a Facebook, uh, page, uh, both break the cycle with Joshua Smith. Um, I, I am now working on the restream so that I can stream to multiple channels that will be coming in the future. It's not up yet, but, um, currently we only stream to YouTube and then share things from there. Um, but I will be streaming eventually to probably 10 or so different platforms every time I stream. So, um, but I want to build the YouTube channel first because successful YouTube channels are the way that you become successful. I mean, that's just, everyone knows that YouTube is the YouTube is the, the standard industry norm. Um, if you can, if you can subscribe to my channel there, that'd be great. We've gotten about, uh, my first two weeks of shows, I got over 600 new subscribers. So we're doing good. We're heading in the right direction. Uh, but you, the, the way that YouTube does it now, they went from, uh, you know, being able to monetize your page pretty quickly. Now you have to have a thousand subscribers, which I've done and 4,000 watch hours per month, real time watch hours per month. They did this after the, uh, after the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. 
Um, it's their, it's their, their idea and their excuse. And I, and I get it was, um, they don't want people to live stream stuff like that anymore. And so they, you have to have a following and have done some things on YouTube, uh, before you can actually, uh, monetize and live stream, uh, from your phone. So, uh, I can't, I can't live stream from my phone. Uh, I can't monetize the page until I get 4,000, uh, watch hours per month, but you know, I'm putting out at a minimum of eight episodes and probably some special bonus content and stuff every month. So we should get there. I think we'll get there. Josh Smith, my goodness, my man, you are busy as ever. And hey, you know, we need more folks out there like you who are putting in the blood, sweat, tears and hours. And that being said, we'll include the links to all the things you're doing, the ventures that you have coming down the road, as well as all the links to social media. So folks can go ahead and find you easier. The show notes, Joshua Smith. Thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols show. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thank you for having me. Our goal at the Chris Spangle show is to help you sound smarter while talking with your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian perspective with all of the irreverence modern politics deserves. We toss out the screaming heads and put people before political parties and give context to the news to make you think. I'm the host. I'm a 15-year veteran of politics and media, and this show is published every Saturday. It's part of the We Are Libertarians network, and be sure to join Wall Plus for bonus podcasts, the complete archives, commercial-free shows, and more. Subscribe now at wearelibertarians.com. All right, folks, another whirlwind of episodes for you this week and another episode in the bank. Thank you, Joshua Smith, for joining us today on another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you, folks, for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, will do me a solid. Please go ahead and share the episode and go ahead and make sure you tag me at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. Also, make sure you go ahead and tag Josh. I will include his social media in the show notes as well. A reminder, yes, go ahead and uh, if you have not had the chance yet, give us that awesome five-star rating and review. And if you have not had the chance yet, well, where can you do that? Apple Podcasts, of course. And it is Friday, which means that we're going to go ahead and read another one of our phenomenal reviews here on the program. And this week, we are getting a review from Jeff from Electric Ave. Outstanding show. The show is fantastic. He interviews all different types of people with all different backgrounds and experiences in bite-sized, easy-to-follow shows. Really gives me hope for the Libertarian Party and for the future. Keep it up. Brian, thank you, Jeff, and thank you uh, to everyone who who subscribes and goes ahead and gives us those five-star ratings and review. And if you want to hear your name again right on the air, we'll just head over to Apple Podcasts. Tell us why you subscribe to the show three, four, five times a week sometimes. I mean, hey, if I'm feeling ambitious, well, you know you can go ahead and get those episodes. So hit subscribe so you're not missing a single episode. And speaking of not missing a single episode, what do you have coming down the pike next week? Well, starting here on Sunday, continuing our candidate series, Joe Evans. He's running for Congress. He joined the program, so he'll be coming up on the show on Sunday. Then on Monday, we are returning to the program with our good friend Scott Beyer from the Market Urbanism Report, talking about how you can make societies with all these externalities out there actually function. Then on Wednesday, J.W. Weatherman returns to the program and we're discussing Bitcoin. And hey, let's just be real. This is the future. Bitcoin, we're seeing it skyrocket. There's a reason, folks. Time to pay attention. And then on Friday, good buddy Brad Palumbo returns to the program. It's been a little bit, but Brad's been busy. 
busy, you know, doing things like just testifying before Congress. No big deal. So make sure you go ahead and hit subscribe so you're not missing a single episode coming up here next week. But with that being said, folks, what do you have to do? You know, I'm not going to sign off yet because there's a couple things that actually happened between uh, now and last week. Number one, we have a brand new, and I, you heard the sponsorship beforehand, brand new opportunity here at the Brian Nichols Show, and that is I'm going to be hosting uh, a panel over at our good buddies Microdose. They're doing a conference, The Heroic Dose, and I'm imploring you guys, if you are getting value out of what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols Show, then I'm going to ask you to please support Microdose, and this is a, an awesome one-day conference. If you are, are curious, you've been trying to figure out this world of psychedelics, or if you just want to learn more, well, not only are you going to be able to help support a great organization, but it'll help a lot of folks out there, especially those who, in this case, uh, are fighting PTSD, suicidal thoughts, depression, uh, from those who have served in the armed forces. So I would really appreciate your support, folks, joining us here April 22nd, and uh, my panel I'll be hosting will be at 10 a.m., uh, so if you could. Head over to the show notes, follow the link, and please support Microdose, a great organization. And let's show them that the Brian Nichols Show audience likes to show some love. Also, speaking of showing some love, I had the chance to join some awesome podcasts. Thank you, Dave Fight. He had me over on his program, as well as Magdalene Rose, who was just recently on the program, uh, had me over talking about how we can sell to those Gen Zers. But with that being said, I've talked enough to you folks this week. It's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Joshua Smith. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.